Welcome to Being Human. Delighted to say I am here with Nick Silver. Nick is a senior uh, technology leader, leader having uh, done stints at The Guardian, of course, which many of you will know, and a blogger. Uh, and I have really enjoyed delving into your uh, blog, Nick, and uh, getting to know you a little bit before we came on this call. Uh, Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Richard. Yes, lovely. Lovely to be talking to you. Uh, okay, so I talked a little bit about your background uh, as I introduced you, but I think for the benefit of our audience, I wonder if you could give us a, a potted history. Yeah, uh, so, brought you to yeah, this place. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. So, 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 so the, the Guardian is is the thing where I, you know it was, it was an amazing place to work. I was I was there for eight years, uh, leading the software development team and and other related teams there on the digital side of things. Before that, I was eight years at a web agency, and, and in fact, part of that was. Um, my my first proper job was explaining to people what the internet was and what the web was and what the difference between the two. I mean, that's that's. I think people are born with that knowledge nowadays. Um, but that was a job once, and that that's what I did. I did a um, a research degree, PhD in artificial intelligence before that, but I did not pursue that as a, as a career. Um, there are many smarter people doing doing that now. And for the last. Gosh, I think it's about 12 years now. Um, I've been independent, working at lots of really interesting companies, helping them out. Um, the thing I tend to do is help organizations that need to sort of improve the relationship between their software teams, their tech teams, and their non-tech teams. And yes, and I write about it, which is um, mainly my um, uh, a sort of mini therapy just to sort of work out and explain to myself articulate to myself little things that I have learned along the way yeah so yeah that's me great and I think that that topic of that interface between business teams and tech teams is going to be super relevant for so many of, of people listening and you know whenever I work in businesses that is a a very common theme um yeah. so i can imagine you get plenty of work dealing with that with that issue and it's and it's and it's it's, it's really you know a lot of it is ju just sort of little conversations but yes yeah, sometimes sometimes it, it is work um you know as, as in a sort of a, you know a period of working with people but sometimes people just just want to say you know can i have you know an hour of your time to talk through a particular you know issue i'm having or i, I don't you know I've hired these people don't really understand what they're, how to deal with them, what they're like, you know, that, that kind of thing. So, yes, it's, it's very varied. It's very, very varied. Yeah. Okay. And, I mean, it's a big topic, isn't it? Because we're really talking about humans communicating with each other, collaborating with each other. Um, I guess what, where do you tend to start looking for opportunities to improve things? You know, how do you orient, uh, orient yourself around that? that problem when you're you're introduced uh, well to yeah no that, 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 that's that's, that's a, a really interesting question i mean i mean the, the, the first thing that is really important to me is um and this, this this sounds sort of really basic but um i have to have a problem statement you know i have to i you know someone someone has to come to me and, and have a reasonably well articulated problem that i am going to solve and that and that that, that can be many different things um so there are some sort of um uh fairly uh you know sort of, sort of sort of some fairly well-defined examples that I've, I've dealt with are uh and these these sort of 
you know, these, these sound sort of slightly amusing sometimes from from, from the outside, but they you know they're, they're they're real issues that people have tried to grapple with and and sort of not managed. So 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 one was, uh, you know, we company that was about two hundred people said you know, we were a startup once we were four people, um, and when we were four people, everything was so much easier. It was really easy to get things done, and now we're two hundred people. It's really difficult, and things take ages, and we don't know why. And a sort of you know you're in you're inevitable reaction is worse because you're you know 200 people and there's lots of communication but um you know you delve a little deeper um and you know they have spoken to their people they've they've tried to puzzle this out they've tried things and and it's just not worked out so that's one example there's another organization i worked with that produce um uh, sort of a big uh annual uh sort of report type thing every every year um but it takes them 22 months to produce this report uh, and and again you know think gosh that's crazy um but but you, you talk to them and talk them through it and think well actually no this is this is clearly a you know difficult problem for you know for, for many reasons and of course they've tried to work it out so they want someone sort of you know with a sort of fresh pair of eyes to 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 to, to look at that sometimes um sometimes what i do is you know just sort of very simply uh interim tech leadership stuff, you know, as we are looking for a long-term CTO or VP, Vice President of Engineering, Software Engineering for our, our company. Um, we just need someone sort of to, to fill in the gap. And that's that's a situation where you can't make any big changes to an organization because there's someone is going to come after you and they're going to have the big strategy and, you know, you've got to let them sort of come in um, and do their thing, whatever their thing is. But you've got to keep people together, bring people together. You've got to keep delivering. That's really, really important. Um, and sometimes what I do is just coach people, right? Uh, you know, co- coaching and, and mentoring people, which is obviously sort of very specific. People are trying to work through their, you know, th- their job or the, or the challenges in, in their job and so forth. Um, but for the most part, it's, um, you know, here is a, you know, here is a thing we can't work out or we would like to to uh, to solve and, and and can you come in and, and sort of help us with that right right and and so you're really looking to that to be your starting place the problem statement yeah. and then as you start exploring that do you have like a set of values or a set of principles or or something you source yourself from as you start exploring no, 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 uh, yeah no that's so, so 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 that's that that that's that's really really important um and uh, you know, I, I think the the, the the first you know the, the first thing I ask them typically is you know partly about the structure of the organisation, but also who do I need to speak to about this? Um, and then I mean, to, to, to be honest, in in all the, the the things I do, whether it's you know solving a sort of well-defined problem or um, sort of interim leadership or coaching, the one of the key things I have learned to do and of that one has to learn to do this is, is listen to people uh, and listening sounds like a very very basic skill um but it's listening to people and it's also a, a lot of time asking the right questions in the right way so yes it's speaking to uh you know f- finding out who the, who the people are are to speak to and starting with some uh parameters some examples you know so so hopefully in that initial conversation with whoever it is has, has brought me in, uh, they will say, well, you know, we, we had issues with this project or this situation 
um, or this process, you know, takes a you know take take takes a, a long time. Um, so uh, so then it's going in talking uh, to people first of all, establishing uh, sort of some degree of trust there, right. um, which is actually usually surprisingly easy, I would say, because if the you know the CEO or, or, or whoever it is has um, you know been even semi sensible, let's say, which you know ninety five percent of the time they they have been, um, they will have laid the groundwork. You know they they would they, they they will have heard these problems from their people as well. They will have talked to to to, to the to the people in their team and uh, people on the ground are looking for improvement you know they they're the ones sometimes who said you know we have a problem here or we have a problem there um and i'm hoping that you know someone will come in and sort out the situation or or at least listen to them um and so uh so yes so so that initial conversation is uh you know it's kind of oh you know kind of glad you're here kind of i mean there there is there is literally a sort of you know you know there's a honeymoon period that doesn't last forever um but People are happy to talk, and and the other um, sort of really uh, sort of fascinating thing I have found is if in if you ask people, particularly in those kind of situations, if you ask people, tell me about your problems. People tell you about their problems. I mean, yeah. and and that's um, because nobody thinks they're working in a perfect company. Of course, every every and the. I tend to work in the tech-ish world, the, the digital world. So it's you know it's full of really really smart, switched-on people, very internet-connected people. Understand what the way other people work and other things that happen. So they've got ideas, you know, they've got um, you know insights into how things might be or um, or things that aren't you know, that they think could be improved and so forth. So most of the time, you know, the vast majority of the time, people are um, you know very. Uh, open to um sort of talking and then and there are also particularly in those situations um there are some uh sort of ground rules that i i have with people which is i want to be able to quote you but i want i will try to quote you anonymously yeah um which doesn't always I'm, 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 I have learned, I, I have done that wrong in the past because sometimes an individual will have a certain unique turn of phrase. And if you sort of include that turn of phrase in a report, <laughs> think, oh, I know who said that. Um, but, but a little, little, little bit more aware of that uh, nowadays. Um, and hearing from people verbatim is, or hearing people's words verbatim is, incredibly powerful at the, at the at the end of of that process right and and um you talked about listening and that's a big theme in in the work that that i do and and, and first human that, that yeah uh, it, i'm part of and what do you what have you learned over the years that's improved your listening capacity you know have you um so, so i i think you know that there there are the the, the the sort of the obvious ones which you always learn about in management courses and, and, and things like that which is ask open questions um and give time for people to to talk you know if there's a silence in a conversation it's very 
tempting to to want to jump in and, and fill that silence, but try not to. So those are the, those, those are the obvious things, and those are, you know, everyone talks about those things, but those are genuinely useful. Um, I think the the other things I would uh, mention, which are uh, which which I don't hear about so often. Um, one of them is I've been influenced by, and I wouldn't say I'm at all very knowledgeable, but influenced by clean language. Right. Um, and um, and I was sort of part of a very sort of small clean language sort of experiment, one, one type of demonstration, uh, which was powerful for me. So to um, I, won't, I won't attempt to recap clean language. I will attempt to to recap my understanding of clean language, which is not necessarily the same thing. Um, but it's it, but it's the idea that when we talk to people, it's too easy, um, far far too easy, to introduce our own ideas and our own biases and our own thoughts and our own models of how the world works into that conversation. Most of which is not well using our own language rather than using the words that other people talk, other people uh, use. So, trying to use the same language the same phrases that people use back at them um is 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 very very useful because it ensures the conversation stays very much within the world that they are thinking of rather than a track that you think is the obvious track that you want to 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 take things down um and the way i so 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 it's a clean language and again, my understanding of clean language is you know, there's something like basically only 12 questions you can ask, of which three or four are the ones you use 90% of the time. Um, so your capacity to sort of um, be, uh, you know, to, to you know to, to ask wide ranging questions is, is, is somewhat limited, but it, it means that you get the uh, a sort of the, the, the person's point of view very much more than your assumptions layered on top of it uh, and it reminds me of um uh, a sort of the, the the very very earliest artificial intelligence program which um maybe some of your older listeners will be familiar with called eliza um and eliza was a pro it was written in the 60s okay so it's before chat gpt and all, and all of that kind of thing um and i can't remember who who wrote it um, but it was a, a piece of software which basically acted, supposedly acted as a um, psychotherapist, um, and it would, uh, and you know, it would start off with a generic statement, so something, you know, you know hello, you know, please tell us about you know yourself or your problem or whatever. And all it would do is pick up on standard phrases. It, it just had a list of I don't know fifty things that people would would say with sort of blanks in the so blanks in the middle so it's looking for patterns of checks i feel x you know i feel blah okay that, that's one standard and the response would be something like oh tell me why do you feel blah and it had no it had no it was it was just it was just simply sort of templates with substituted you know whatever the person said in there and uh the first people who used it were really you know gosh this is getting really deep and really you know really personal without realizing they were talking to a you know, actually, you know, relatively dumb computer by our standards. Um, and this is obviously very insulting to, to the clean language advocates out there. But but to me, it's sort it's sort of it it is like that. It, it, it's you've got to be 
you've got to be very, very careful with your, your phrases and, and, and language and so forth. But basically, don't layer your own language in there. Don't layer your, your own uh, uh, phrases in. Um, so that's that's one thing uh, extra, which, which is use use the, uh, the the person's phrase, use their language, and they will take you down a route which um, uh, you don't necessarily uh, expect and, and is always valuable. Um, the other thing I would say is um, to get a try to get a really precise understanding of um, the the fluffier, the more nebulous things that that, that, that people are talking about. Um, so, and, and to give you an example of this, um, I was speaking to someone uh, some time ago who. They just got promoted. Um, they'd become responsible for a new team, which was, you know, great. Um, and um, and so I was talking to them about their new team, and and it was a software engineering team um, that that they they were uh, leading. And they said, you know, it's, I'm a bit worried about this team. It doesn't have a good engineering vibe, really. And to me, that phrase good engineering vibe that's very fluffy that's that's not that's not that's not something tangible that you can do something about um but this person is quite experienced um reasonably senior um that there's probably a reason they're saying that and so in situations like that you know i try to sort of slice it down and try to make it more precise and say so so what do you mean about uh, you know, engineering vibe. And one of the questions I use again and again and again in all kinds of conversations is, what does that look like? What is it you're actually seeing in the world? What is it you're actually hearing in the world that makes you say that? Um, and that sort of makes it real because, because that sort of, if I was to, it wasn't relevant in this case, but if I was to uh, to sort of um, explain that situation, if, if, that, if, if I was if I was using that situation or looking at that situation in order to resolve somebody's problem that they would given me with problem statements and so forth, I couldn't go in to the CEO and say, "Oh, you know, I'm sorry, your engineering team doesn't have a." A, a, a good engineering vibe, um, or even you know your your engineering managers don't think you you have a good engineering vibe because you can't do something about that, and or, or, you, know, you can't transfer somebody's feeling to, to to somebody else. But you you can try to make it a, a reality. So um, so 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 he's you know this person you know uh, started by saying, well you know they do deliver very reliably. I thought, well okay that's that's good you know that's a, that's that's a, you know. Lots of teams I, I, I you know, don't don't deliver, but you know very, very reliably. So so what so what is it you, you've seen? So well, you know, people are, are very comfortable um, with just doing the work they're used to doing, and somebody else will do the work they're used to doing. But they're not really interested in sharing or crossing over or sharing ideas or trying something new. Um, and the technology is a little bit old fashioned, so it's quite difficult to attract people into the team. And so, so that that became something tangible, um, yeah. and something that potentially he could talk about with the team to ask them, you know, how interested are you in terms of expanding your skills or you know being able to bring new people into the team and so forth. So, um, 
so, so very often people say something which is um, understandably woolly because, because it's it, it's just sort of what they feel. But trying to trying to make that a reality and that, that that question, what does that look like, or a variant of what does that look like, is a um, is to me a really really important question. Right. And it, it combines the two things you're talking because So you want to get that verbatim and start there and play that back. But then how can we, from there, build a picture that's more easy for you to, to yes. comprehend and others to... Yes, yes, exactly. And, 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 and that's, that sort of building a, a picture is, is also um, obviously particularly important. And partly it's important for me, if I, even if I was just coaching somebody you know, one-to-one, it was, it was just between us. I really want to, I want to understand what they're doing, what they're seeing and how they feel, those things. Um, but if it is one of those situations where I'm trying to solve a problem um, and I'm talking to lots of people, then you've got to put all these sort of very tangible things uh, together. And one of the, uh, one of the lessons I have learned in terms of, you know, solving organizational or team problems is you've actually got to reserve judgment a lot of the time not on um the people themselves at all but 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 on you definitely judge those yeah. well, uh, well i mean no, actually yeah i i i think uh, i i i think sometimes people worry that you know you're, you're coming to obstacle or, or whatever it is and, I, and um and I have certainly been in the situation where um, that seemed to have been happening to me. You know, that's what I was mm. um, working uh, one time at the Guardian, and and some uh, external consultants were were brought in, and I you know, had a one to one interview with, with with one of these people, and um, I did not take well to them. <laughs> I have to say, um, and it was because looking back on it it was because they clearly had their own solutions already they had you know okay. the, the, at the start of the conversation they had their own solutions. they weren't listening to, to to me it was basically what do you think if we did this what do you think if we did that why would you do this or that you know tell 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 me what problem you're trying to to solve it what are you trying to improve what do you think's wrong with us that you think uh you know um so uh so so, so i'd make a point i do make a point of, sort of saying to people very often look you know, I'm a temporary person. I am the most disposable person in the company. Okay, and I and I and I'm you know, and I want successes. You know, from from what what I do in place. But um, but you you know, usually people know I am here to solve a particular problem that probably they voiced as well. Um, but reserving judgment on what what are important topics or what are important themes. Um, and I do when I talk to people particularly in those situations I do a lot of writing and I do a lot of highlighting afterwards of interesting things that people said um and afterwards try to pick out the themes and sometimes you find someone says something really interesting but actually they're the only person who highlighted you know that that particular issue and if one else is talking about something else you think okay well let's let's follow the something else even though you know what they said was, was, was actually kind of you know interesting but not necessarily on topic or 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 the cause of the thing we're trying to work out here so and so it sounds to me then you're you're managing 
your own sort of emerging judgments and inner dialogue about this situation you're in you're 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 actively yeah. keeping that in check yeah well I, I, absolutely and and uh, and i have a um i i i of course you know have a sort of short bullet list of things i want to find out about because that's the those are the things that you know, i was given almost you know first of all so there, there are topics that i want to hit um but I want to explore those, you know, with, with, with people, and different people will, will hit, will talk about different things. And also, what you will find is, um, you know, a story evolves in a sort of patchwork kind of way around, you know, particular projects or particular incidents or particular relationships. Um, and and so so by talking to lots of people, you you, you get a, a a more more complete view, and then. The um, the other sort of just just going back to that that point of sort of quoting people verbatim. Um, so what I do a lot of the time in, in in these situations is not just find the themes that people are talking about, but also say you know this is this is actually what people are saying. And of course, people don't tend to talk in beautifully grammatical sentences when 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 they're talking um you know they don't talk like they're writing a scientific paper or a novel or anything like that um and that's a good thing actually that's a good thing because that means you know usually i write down more or less what they're saying not necessarily with the ers and ums but certainly sometimes with the sort of roundabout sentences and um and phrases that sort of don't quite work and, and that kind of stuff but that, that's that's how people talk and when you say um something like uh you know uh, you know what was what's one of you know a, a finding you your, that i've come across before is you know people understand that quality is important but they don't know what it means um for, for example um and then there's a bunch of phrases from people um where they're more or less you know saying saying that kind of thing and you can put these on a screen to the ceo or the or or the cto or whatever or or indeed the the people themselves um and people will look at that and say well first of all that sounds like a real person talking um so so it does it does it does hit home it's not like a a survey or 27 percent of respondents said you know blah 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 which is okay possibly powerful but not as powerful as seeing a you know human words you know really spoken by a human uh, or, or, or on screen you know they'll say you know I'm, that sounds like a real person that might have been me who who, who said that um so 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 listening to people listening to their actual words um and reflecting their actual words is uh is is very very uh powerful right that's interesting and i was actually going to ask the question do you use any survey tools or any data to back this up but yeah and uh, I, no uh, actually and um and that's that's typically i mean i i'm tend not to be working across that kind of scale of, of okay you know, i'm i'm ta- i'm ta- in an organization of just going back to that, you know i mean uh, you know you know i've mentioned an organization of a couple of hundred people of whom i talked to about 20 you know okay people. you can't you can't spend time talking to 200 in- individuals um, even in the organisation um, that you know uh, 
generated that sort of report annually, which took 22 months. That was that was a multi-thousand person organization. But in terms of the particular problem domain, it was about 100 people who, yeah. who, who were involved. And again, only, you know, again, sort of 15, 20, 30 of those people are, are, are really the, the, the ones who will who, who will have the insights. Um, yeah. 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 So, 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 so it's, so it is about, um, uh, yeah. So, so, yeah, I'm sure they call it qualitative rather than quantitative. Um, but, um, it, it's about talking to people, but, but, but it's, but it's also about demonstrating the evidence or at least the, the stories that, that, that people have, have behind that and, and linking those things together as well. You know, this, this is how those things, you know, yeah. X follows from Y follows from Z kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So you've so now you've explored the problem space and you're starting yeah. to move into potential solutions or changes. I know a big yeah. topic of interest for you is you know how do we how do we introduce yeah. change? How do we yeah, start yeah, working yeah. with solutions? Yeah. So so yeah. how do you approach that? So so I think um, there's I, I guess there is a uh, a couple of situations there. One is where uh, I am making some recommendations and then stepping away because that's you know we want you in for three weeks or four weeks or, or whatever it is and just just tell us what we need to do um and the other situation is where i am there to actually make the change or, or the or the improvement or, or, or whatever it is those are slightly two, two different situations one is i need to that the, uh, the, the first situation where i'm there for um you know, a short amount of time and needs to deliver a report you've got to deliver something that is um uh within itself a coherent and defensible piece of work which explains the the, the, the problem and, and the solutions and it all has tied together and it's wrapped up with a metaphorical bow um and uh, and there you go and hopefully fingers crossed people will um will follow through with that and, and sometimes they do which, which is great um and the other situation is where I am there to make the change. Um, although often it is, although often in those situations, it's less, I wasn't brought in necessarily to make a change. I was brought in to sort of help deliver a project or, or, or whatever it is. But it turns out that the reason the project isn't working terribly well or whatever is certain things need to, to need, need to change and that's that's a slightly different situation um so so it's the sort of recommending the recommending versus the the implementing so the recommending needs a um you know these are the problems you have with, with sort of um demonstrations of what people are saying about those things um and also i sometimes use a um just sort of boxes and arrows really you know we've identified I don't know, 20 things within themes which, which, which people are talking about, and this leads to this, and that leads to that, and that leads to, to, to the other, and, and so forth. So you can get a sort of nice you know, diagram like that, and then you can say, okay, if we tackle the thing right at the top, then that will help, you know, that bring the most value of, 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 of those kinds of things. Um, and also the, 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 suggested, um, the suggested remedies um, are you know of course based on 
experience you know industry experience and the kinds of things that actually you can point to other, you know, other people are doing it like this and other people are doing that kind of thing so it's not it will never be something i've just um sort of devised off the top of my head it's saying well you know this this is a common thing which people are doing in industry um and you know this is how they do it and this is what good looks like um and this is why you know it will solve you know address this this particular thing so the actual implementing part of it where i'm there and, and if there's less of a um a need to produce a marvelous report or powerpoint presentation um it's get on with the work and continue to make improvements and that so that's the making the change and then the important things are apart from identifying what you need to do is to persuade people that these are the, the, the things that, that, that need to happen. And part of that is reminding people, if they need reminding, remember, this is what you said, or this is what your colleagues said. Uh, you know, I, I have the, you know, we, we, we have the quotes here. You saw the quote on, on, on the PowerPoint, you know, you, um, so, so this, this is, this is why we need that. So, 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 bringing people back to what they said, you know, what they are told, what their, what their colleagues articulated, what they might, you know, might as well have said to them themselves um, is really, really important. Um, and again, so, so that's the, the sort of the persuading them part of it. Um, when you implement a, a change, there are lots of very sort of detailed, nitty gritty things that you need to do and, and you need to get right. And Again, it's really, really important to take people along with you, explain the, 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 the sort of small steps involved in this and listen to objections. Um, the objections by that stage are typically not or you know, generally not that we should whether or not we should do this. It's about actually how we do it. And those are often really important objections to listen to. Because these are people who are on the ground. These are people who have to uh, not just live with it, but make the change themselves. They have to be comfortable with it. Um, so as I say, you know, this is not going to work because X, Y, and, and Z, or I, I'd be very unhappy about doing that kind of thing because of whatever. Understand why. And, and, and always, you know, the, the thing I always take people back to, whether it's in a change situation or just... You know, if, if I happen to be line managing people, then sort of resolving a dispute bit, bit between two people, it's let's remind ourselves why we're trying to do this thing. I'm not, you know, it's not really important to me that step 7A is this rather than that. The, the, the point is that we get to the end point and that, that we achieve such and such a thing. Um, so so taking, get, getting people to, getting myself to take a step back and them to take a step back and I'll, reminding ourselves why we're doing this uh is is really key because that helps us generally get to a better uh solution and uh, you know, and the other thing is you know even if i am line managing a team of people responsible for a you know department of of, of software engineers or, or whatever it is i can't be there every, in every situation every hour of, of every day this is something people got to believe themselves and, and got to want to do themselves and understand themselves um so so getting their support understanding their objections adjusting accordingly and then trying a bit seeing what happens adjust again plan the next steps and, and so forth um so that sort of feedback mechanism 
with the people is is really really important when it comes to implementing change and that makes it that makes so much sense to me because i don't know for your experience but i've I've been on many, you know, big change programs where there's the big mm. plan. I mean, it's, uh, to be fair, I think it's happening less and less and people are getting the yep. test and learn approach to a greater yeah. degree. But nonetheless, it, it still exists to some extent. And without, you know, without reason, realizing that, you know, when it comes to change in teams, it's it's complex. You can't predict up front yep. how things are going to pan out. And it, Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, what one of the things I sort of, remind myself from time to time is John Cotter's eight change steps, um, which I can never remember off, off the, 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 the top of my head, but all, uh, you know, as management models go, are incredibly sensible I think, um, and, and really, really good advice. And one of the things that, um, uh, that, that is, is really, really important. I can't remember exactly how, how he, uh, talks about is celebrate success or amplify success you know when some when, when there is somebody doing something which is oh this is the way we should do it you know shine the spotlight on them celebrate them and partly it's good for them of, of course and you know they deserve to be rewarded for, for doing the, the the right thing but also it sort of sends a message to other people that oh you know this is how people are recognised now by by doing this kind of thing. I and it is um, as you say, you know, there's particularly those large change programmes are very very difficult. I have this always have this image in my head of um, uh, you know those those I can't remember what it's called the, the people who climb those very sheer cliff faces, you know, um, with crampons and things, and trying to you, you've got this almost sheer rock face that that right. you're. You're, 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 you're trying to climb this to change, you're trying to make, and you're just grabbing onto the tiniest, tiniest little crevice to pull yourself up. Oh, that, oh somebody has done, you know, somebody has, um, you know, interacted with, you know, w- w- with a customer in in exactly the way we want. You know, it's only one example this week, but we're going to celebrate that and we're going to mention it and, and, um, and, and make sure people know about it and, and amplify that. Yeah, I like that metaphor because... Yeah, when it came, comes to changing human behavior, yeah, every 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 small change is a major breakthrough, right? Because we are so habitualized as it is as, it as is. people, and uh, yeah, it does and, take and, something. And and and, I, and and the other thing is, I I think it it, it sort of almost depends. It, I think different people have have different views on this, and I do remember your your um, your views on this would 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 be really really interesting. Um, I I remember there was part of a sort of big change program, um, which was um, it, it, it was I would say it was an informal change program as it was being sort of pushed by a, a director of of this organisation and people were you know, people knew it had to happen but it wasn't it wasn't hugely formal, um, and. I was one of one of the people helping with this, um, and had encountered a team which were um, uh, they were testing a, a particular product that, that they were producing, and it was a very old-fashioned non-digital product that they were spending their time on. But they were doing it in a way which was um, actually surprisingly in line with the new ways of working. It was yeah. sort of you know quite sort of 
quite scientific A-B testing, uh, as we call it, but it was a a non-digital product. And it's in a conversation with the the director, um, who's very senior, uh, and he was absolutely livid that they were spending time testing this old-fashioned non-digital product when they should be spending time on on the digital thing. And I was thinking, well, I'm actually delighted that they're doing something akin to A-B testing, which is something we can praise them for, um, and say, no, great, now, now, now take that and, you know, and move it into the, the digital world, because that, that's, that's what you need to be doing. It was kind of a, part of it was a glass half full, class, class half empty situation, but also because he was the big boss man. He was probably used to making changes by edict, you know, by, mm. by you know, making an order and expecting people to, to fall in line. Whereas I was in a situation where I didn't have, in that situation, didn't have anyone to report. I report to me. I just had to work by influence. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, people have to believe these things in order for, 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 the, for them to, to last. So yeah, it'd be interesting to know if, if you see people's attitudes is different depending on their role in terms of how, easy it is to make change or, or or how much people have to how much you have to um uh uh sort of be subservient not subservient to people but you know uh, you know listen to people to 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 enact change or whether you can just sort of say no, do it i'm telling you to do it <laughs> well i suppose what immediately comes to mind is <clears throat> the- <clears throat> excuse me the- theory x theory y familiar with that uh Go on, remind me of the Yeah, so do, do you believe that people are inherently uh, lazy and untrustworthy? Yeah, and require uh, strong management in order to be yeah, productive. Uh, so, if that's uh, your belief about people, mm, you're going to manage mm, it in a certain way, mm, whether that be change mm, or anything else. Uh, or theory Y, which is you inherently believe that people are uh, trustworthy, that people are inherently productive. Yeah. And yeah. so, if you're if that's your, your, you know, your fundamental belief about human beings, then you're going to yeah. lead and manage according to that. Yeah, absolutely, and, and that's uh, yes, that 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 opens up so many questions. There was a, I, I know um, there was an interview which I know was conducted recently with um, so Tony Danker, head of the CBI, who's um, apparently saying yes, all, all, all you know, bosses in Britain basically want people to come back to the office. Uh, no, you know they they don't want them to to work at the moment. To me, that's a that, that's that theory X theory Y thing. You do trust people, or or do, or do you want to see them, uh, you know, in front of you in order to believe whether they're whether they're working or not? Um, so uh, yeah, yeah, that that's um, and and, and the, the the other thing the other thing I wonder about all of this um, because again. You know, we've talked a lot about listening uh, to people, and I know we've we've talked about it very much in the context of <clears throat> making change uh, and so forth. But to me, listening to people and understanding their problems is a really, really important part of just general management. If, if, if there's there's no major problem, I'm just sort of being an interim leader uh, or whatever, and I have a number of direct reports. It's important again to me to have one to ones with my staff and listen to them. And if they have issues, you know, sort them out. And as a, uh, you know, because of the industry I'm in, which is, you know, the, the tech industry or in organizations where there is a strong tech function, um, 
there is a lot of deference towards um, software engineers and technical people. And I always wonder to myself, you know, in the back of my mind, is this just a tick thing? Do, do, do accountants, for example, or, or civil engineers spend time worrying about how the company should run? And I, I do remember talking to uh, a software colleague of mine um, saying, you know, he, he was saying, yeah, my wife is a chief financial officer and she's baffled by all this, all, all these angst, you know, we have about treating people right and um, uh, employee resource groups and, uh, and, and, you know, making sure, you know, people understand the, 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 the big picture and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I just, I run a team of 20 people and they just do what they're told. Um, so, <laughs> it's, it's, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, but as I say, I, I do, um, you know, to, 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 to me, it is a, a, a fulfilling way of, of, of doing things. Um, and, uh, you know, particularly now, where it's so easy for people to move, you know, from one company to, to another. And apart from the sort of lots of layoffs, you know, at the very moment um, in the tech world, generally speaking, it's, it's relatively easy um, to, to move companies. And, you know, and people, uh, technical people are very much in demand. So I think, you, you know, you have to recognise that, you have to treat people as as human beings. They're not they're not just you know shareholder fodder. Right. Well, I I think that's true. But it, it does remind me of the stories of um the clockmakers in the industrial revolution. Oh, go on, tell me about that. So 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 if you were just working in a you know in a mill or you know um, in, in a smelter or something, right, and at, and you were just on the production line. You know, you were ruled with an iron, literally a whip, right? Mm, <laughs> In yeah. some kind of circumstances, wow. right? Yeah. That was your life. But if you were a clock engineer, you could roll in drunk, you know, you wow. could, you know, you could talk back <laughs> yeah. to the boss yeah. man, right? Yeah. That that was, you know, this is another story yeah. I read about them because yeah. they were so important, because the clock yes. in the in the factory was, you know, central to running the entire operation. Yes, you were a yeah, clock engineer in those days. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, 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 I, and I think, yeah, and, and, and you know, we, I think we have, to, we have to watch out for, for that because, you know, we, we, we in the tech world may become replaced by, you know, something else. Um, so, and and, and to, to, to be the, the other thing, I would, I would say to, 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 to be fair, I think every company more or less has what i call it it's rock stars you know, every, every company has the the discipline within it with within which the whole company was, was built around the guardian is, is a very digital organization is a very digital organization is very very forward thinking there now but the rock stars weren't the tech people the rock stars are the journalists of course right um yeah that's who the organization is built built around in an investment bank it's the you know it's the investors you know they, they, that's they, those are the people who as you say wouldn't necessarily roll in drunk but you know they 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 they're they're the ones who everyone is 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 deferential to so yeah i think we have to be careful um about that in our industry yeah i mean and the other thing i would say around software engineering, i mean the way i i mean I, i've done software engineering i think yeah i was a coder in the first part of my career it, we're, we're a creative bunch 
right? Yeah. We, we, we're, we're inherently, you know, there's, there's an artistic yeah. streak in every, yes. in every yeah. coder. And I, I think that there's just a, an inherent reaction to that creativity, which is such a part of our identity, feeling like it's being yes. suppressed in any way. Yeah. I, I, so I do think it's part of the personality profile in general of Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coders. Absolutely. Yes, very true. Very true. Um, uh, it would, which may not exist. Apologies to offending any accountants. Yeah, I think creative accountancy has a very different uh, sense to it than creative software engineering. Yeah. And I think some of those areas will, in, and also just the, the scope of the role, they may have a greater sense of what the business is doing um, no. in a way. And this is what I remember. One of the, in fact, one of my motivations to move out of coding, I can remember very clearly, is you are, you're, you're so focused on, on, on that line of code, right? Or getting, mm. or, getting, you know, or, or getting that class to function in the way you want it to, that you're, you're, you're so, you know, you're, you're so, you know, so blinkered in a sense, you know, and so ultra focused, ultra focused on, mm. on, on, on that, that you, you can, and, and, and the management around you sort of wants you focused on that right yeah. it, you know it's it so they have got an interest in shielding you from everything else now just write code yeah. because yeah. The, you've got that skill and we need it and that's what we need you to yeah. do uh, and and i can really get that frustration of like not getting the bigger picture and wanting to feel part of something bigger and wanting to be able to make sense of how this code i'm writing actually contributes to yes. the bigger picture yeah yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and, and go on go ahead sorry and i and and I don't know to you know what proportion of software engineers feel that, but certainly I I felt it. Yeah, no, I I, I, and I, I think I, I think a lot do to to be honest, um, particularly uh, yeah, uh, particularly after the early years. I think I think in the early years of your career, you you want to hone your skill. You know, you realise there are, there are lots of people around you who are much more skilled than, than you. Um, you sort of uh, admire what they can do. I think rightly because they're, they're amazing people, and you, and you want to be like that. And I, and I, and there is that. But there, there is. You know, I, I always remember um, uh, a couple of friends of mine set up their own uh, web uh, software company, um, and the reason they did that, the the the, the sort of the thing that that affected them is that they were. Um, Part of part part of a big organisation involved in a really large software project. Um, they did the most fantastic. In their view, the most fantastic job. The, the software was was fantastic. It was delivered on time, I think, and budget, and it completely failed. Uh, and it completely failed because there had been serious business misjudgments about what was what was needed. And, um, and I thought, well, I, I never ever want that to to, to happen again. And, and you're right, you know, you want you want to feel, you know, you want to feel part of something. You want to feel you you make a you make a difference. Um, and one of the great things about um, working for a you know, particular brand name company, um, you know, like uh, the Guardian. I keep talking about the Guardian. That was a very very long time ago. But you know, working for a brand name company is People recognise what you do, or, or you, or you can point to something on somebody's mm. screen and, and say, you know, see, uh, you know, I, I did that. Whether it's a, you know, if you're a games developer, you can point. I, I, I did that. You know, that that mechanic or, or, or whatever it was. Um, people, you know, and you're you're appreciated by, you know, let's, let's say people who don't understand, you know, the the the, the, the tech. Um, so yes, yeah, so I think I think I think it is important to sort of uh, have have that connection, and that's that's one of the things that. Um, 
you know, also when it comes back to my work, one of the things I you know, do from time to time is to help organizations which have uh, delivery problems. You know, they're, they're not getting you know, the, the, the project isn't, isn't going, um, you know, it's usually well for, for whatever reason. Um, one of the things that is often really, really important is to connect the people on the ground to the people who value the thing that you're, mm. you're going to, to, to deliver. Um, so that is maybe talking to the stakeholders, you know, maybe your internal stakeholders who are sponsoring the project, or it's going along and watching the user test, watching users actually try to use, you know, your product. Um, and and that 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 connection, um, a sort of you know, very very tangible connection, is is really really important. I think to uh, to, to to people. I remember the, for the first time, I saw uh, I, I was working with a, um, a user experience person, as we call them, someone who goes out and yeah. tests the product with with, with people. Um, and I've never never worked with such a person before. Didn't. Didn't really know what he did, um, and then he made what he called a showreel. So, so he videoed lots of people using the product um, and spliced it all together, and done a little five-minute, you know, presentation on this is how people struggle with the product, and it was just jaw-dropping. You know, well, uh, to me, it's obvious how everything works. To to to, to other other people, not. And you think, oh, okay, you know, this is this is this is why why it's worth. And it happens with um, a sort of organization administrative um things uh, as well so i was um i was working with a company one time who had a very um a very tightly defined list of things they wanted implemented in in the the, the software product we were building for them which to some extent is fine you know you've got to you've got to know what you want but you know, for various reasons, we're having problems delivering to the time scale that that they wanted. We thought we could deliver something that still achieved their overall aim, um, but it, but by doing it in a slightly different way, and that was that that, 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 that would would deliver on time. So we wanted to flex a little bit, and they were absolutely not having it. And it was really, really annoying the, the the team. They they were they were they were getting very angry. And then one time they came into the office. Uh, the actual people who we were doing for, and met some of the team who was building this thing, and we talked about you know their situation and so forth. And it turned out that um, they were owned by a Japanese um, parent company, um, and one of their number um, had sort of submitted a list of you know things that. Um, this is this is what we will deliver a sort of you know twenty point tick list of, of of features and so and that's what they were held to, and so so even though they themselves were very very open to change, there was a social you know strong social uh, element where they they could not go back on a promise they had made or one of their number had made to the to the Japanese um, parent company, and suddenly the engineers felt an awful lot of sleep. Caught them, um, and 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 the animosity, you know, did you know di- di- disappeared, and so there. So we and we did eventually work to a point. We, we delivered the thing they wanted, and then on the next phase, we were, um, you know, we, we we set up so we were a little bit more flexible and um, uh, uh, and so forth. But that sort of that that sort of human aspect of 
meet the people, you know, feel for the people who are who you're doing this thing for, who who want this thing, is is really really important. That helps. That helps just some really basic things like you know focusing people and and helping delivery and so forth. Right. Yeah. No, that's a it's a great anecdote. Um. Yeah. Um. We were talking, and I thought it might be a good segue. So you spoke earlier about. Uh, the possibility of software engineers being replaced by AI, and given, and we oh, talked yes. about this earlier, right? And given your yeah. background and your PhD mm-hmm. in that field, um, what what's your current assessment of the of the maturity of AI? Where do you predict it's going to be going? You know, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts. My my, my predictions about where things are going are always really, really off, um, and embarrassingly so which i which I, I will not embarrass myself with by, by telling how wrong i can be about uh, how useful the internet might be um but uh I, I i i do believe it's going to be you know it, it is a game changer or going to be a game changer um i think there are real challenges in terms of ownership let's say of that that ip or that expertise i'm not i can't quite sort out in my head exactly where the challenges are because to some extent if um you know if, if i'm a software engineer let's say and i'm or, or a, a, if i'm a software engineer and i'm, I'm working for a, a, a company for fit for you of course, you own the IP, but I can still take my business elsewhere if I want. I can still quit and, and go elsewhere. So you know, there's no sense in which you own me as a as as a as a software engineer. So if you replace me as a, you know, with, with an AI, okay. But 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 to me, the ownership issues are such that ChatGPT is the is the big one at the moment. Yeah. Um, and of course, all that knowledge, all that expertise, all that data is. You know, growing and growing within OpenAI, the company that owns ChatGPT. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so anyone who, yes, you're using AI, you're using ChatGPT, but they're a third party, and they're a third party who might raise their prices. You know, beyond your, be um, uh, beyond your means or beyond what you what you think is valuable. Um, and any data you have, I mean, obviously, your or, or any results you have, yes, you're using it, but they're using it as well. Um, there is, you know, there, there's clearly concerns around you know, plagiarism and and, and, that, and that that kind of thing. I've certainly worked, you know, worked with at least one company um, which said, you know, uh, um, GitHub, the um, sort of uh, source uh, soft software source control uh, organization, which is owned by Microsoft, has a thing called Copilot, which can auto-generate software for you. Um, which is astonishing and is astonishing. But I work with one company that says you absolutely must not use this for company software that generated, you know, for, for company software, because we don't know where it comes from. We have no guarantees about, you know, where it comes from. And yes, there may be some, you know, legal provisions in, you know, the terms of service of, of Copilot and so forth. But nevertheless, we just don't want to get into that, you know, that, that, that yeah. situation. So there, there, are, there are those kinds of things. But I think there there is this question of how big a resource do you need to have a useful artificial intelligence service? Is it something you can build and own yourself? 
or is it something you have to outsource to someone like OpenAI? Now, of course, I think outsourcing those kinds of services is not necessarily a bad thing, but you've got to be aware that you might want to need to take that, those services elsewhere. Somewhere. They may shut down, they may raise their prices, they may do something legally, which think, okay, we, we, we can't do that. Can you have an alternative? Is there an alternative to, to fall back on? How much can you transfer? Um, the biggest companies um, will be developing and are, you know, do develop their own um, AI process. But I, th- I, think, I, 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 th- I think it's important. The two examples that have hit home for me are a very small company I know that does document cataloging as part of its overall uh, process, which is a team of four people or something. And they've tried chat GPT for, for documenting and it's bloody good and 10 times as fast. Um, and so they're thinking, well, if we don't do this, our competitors, you know, go, going, to, going to do it. So, you know, so it's got to be part of that. And the, the other example I, I know is a large organization um, which is using artificial intelligence. I think it's their own um, thing that they've developed I- internally for planning logistics, which, again, is something you would do with what we used to call an expert system, you know, rules and actually yeah. carefully defined rules by experts. You know, and this thing is acting as, as an expert um, that they're, they're developing. I think now in that situation, that second situation for, for, for logistics, they own that IP, so 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 that's fine. Um, but for the, the the smaller company, you know, it's not it's not they're wrong. I'm sure they're absolutely right to to, to be using this thing. And, and by the way, their staff, I you know, speak to someone involved. The 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 the, the, the four team staff who are you know working alongside ChatGPT are actually very happy with this because because that that bit of their their, their jobs was really boring. Um, and and they're now you know they're now able to concentrate on sort of slightly slightly better you know sort of more more interesting things. But nevertheless, how long does that last? You know how how much you're going to pay for it? Where can you? What's your fallback um, if, uh, if 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 it doesn't work out? Um, so uh, it, it, and then there's the whole um, you know question of ethics on, 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 from, from all kinds of angles. Um, I think what I know of OpenAI is they have sourced their data from quite reputable sources, um, but plenty of companies have not, you know, certainly when it comes to, you know, facial recognition systems, you know, there are all kinds of, not just how those systems are being used, but actually where the data came from um, right. in the first place. Um, so, yeah, it's an absolute minefield, um, and uh, but unfortunately, as with all progress, it doesn't stop. No, no, no. And you just introduced me to an aspect that I hadn't really considered before. So there's, there's certainly the, the aspect of, of replacing jobs, um, but I hadn't really considered the, the the replacing smaller companies. You know, you could you could make the case it's inherently a winner takes all type situation, right? Oh, where where oh, you know. You, you could you could predict that yeah. a few very large companies with very large data sets are going to win this game and yeah. and knock out not just individuals but, but smaller companies yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely you know, I, mean, I mean google is in trouble now because it's you know has a well, may have a monopoly on uh you know the ad industry imagine having a monopoly on the intelligence industry <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's pretty serious. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, yeah, I really hadn't considered that. Yeah. That um yeah. yeah, we could have an an equivalent of Google for AI. I mean, that is pretty terrifying, yes. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um so I mean and, and and you know, again, to 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 be to be fair, I think what I can tell, open AI are being very good in, in, in by some sense of good about all of this. You know, they're, they're, they're publishing their research. There, there, there are um, data sets and versions of uh, GPT that they have held back because of um, ethics issues. Mm. Um, so, I think they are being responsible, but there will always be people pushing at the boundaries, and there will always be people happy to exp- to use those companies that are pushing at the boundaries. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think it's going to get that Right, right. Um, and so uh, yeah, you would you, uh, <laughs> you said you wouldn't give predictions, but it, but you certainly you said Copilot's pretty good. Just going back specifically to writing software, you said Copilot. It is no, no, I, and no, that's now, actually, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, that's that that's now. Um, there are going to be some laws or decisions which on you, but I think there are going to be some uh, principles on which legal decisions are made, which are just basic legal principles. Um, so, you know, there, 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 if, if, I, if I contract service, services from you and for whatever reason you don't provide those services or don't provide them in a, in a satisfactory way, it doesn't matter. Now, I'm not a lawyer. I have to stress this, but, but you know, my understanding is it doesn't matter whether it's literally your staff who messed up or whether you subcontracted it out to a to a third party of you know in, in all terms human third party the fact is they're your agents you know whether they're employees or, or or a contracted third party you're still responsible some sort of things like that you know whether you contract it out to a human or or, or or an ai again it doesn't matter you did the contracting you decided that was the right thing to do um you know you didn't uh, provide services, but but yeah, no. Some some of those um, some of those challenges are going to be very very different. Some of those some some of those things are up to up to us as well. So um, to 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 decide. So um, I think it's CNET um, Publishing uh, Organization has been uh, for for a long time publishing articles um, for search engine optimization, just to get in onto the top of Google. Um, generated by an ai now I, is that a bad thing i don't i mean ge- ge- generating pages just to get to the top of google i think is a bad thing <laughs> because i want i want high quality google results um but uh, does it have to be done by human i don't know um so they've they've paused that program because i think you know they hid some of the some of the truth behind that and also it has to be said some of those some of those articles that were produced were not entirely correct. Um, you know, again, people can make mistakes as well, but at least you can point the finger, you know, more easily, or or, or coach somebody, you know, get make, get an improvement in 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 somebody more easily. Um, more difficult when it's a, a an AI which is, uh, yeah, only does one thing and doesn't, you know, you can't take it into a room and say, look, you've done this, this, and this wrong, and you know, maybe we can. You know, maybe we can improve by doing X, Y, and Z. I uh, can't do that with an AI. No, no, no. Okay. Well, um, 
Nick, this has been a fantastic conversation. Is there, is there anything we haven't touched on that you'd like to to share with our listeners? Any, any place we haven't gone to you'd have loved to? to... Gosh, I, I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm you know, thrilled to have had the chance to speak to you. Thank you very much. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm sure we could talk for a while more, but I'm sure your listeners need to be able to go off and do whatever they need to do. <laughs> <laughs> No, this is this has been awesome. Uh, yeah, uh, thanks so much um, uh, for sharing your deep insights from a, a long time working in these spaces. Uh, very valuable. Thank you, Richard. It's really, yeah. been really, really brilliant. Thanks. Yes, thank you, Nick. The Being Human podcast was brought to you by First Human. For more on First Human's human-focused coaching and leadership programs, head to First Human dot com.